morning, church. If you've got your Bibles, please open them up to Hebrews chapter 12. It has been a treasure, and uh, I say this full throat, full voice, full heart, a treasure to have Ricky and the Pruitt gang come on board and be our family ministers. Amen. I uh, love the visual of the marbles. It's become a traditional part of the launching of our senior high school students every year. I don't know how many parents have with regularity actually taken those marbles out. That would be kind of an interesting study to do on our own, to put them somewhere. But the question that I have is, where did those marbles go? The what's it box? Kid's sock drawer? I don't know. But I love the visual reminder. Time doesn't stand still, and you can't get it back. Wow. But I love visuals. My office is filled with them. Paintings, souvenirs, photos, taxidermy work, sculptures, rugs, hides, all of them trigger memories for me. Moments in my life I don't want to ever, ever forget. And here's why. Because those memories have a purpose in my life. And it's twofold. First of all, it's to remind me of the past favor of my God in my life. And the second is the promised favor of God in my future. I love visuals for that. At our last men's retreat a couple of weeks ago, Victor came up with a great visual for us to take home on our weekend. It was a spent rifle shell. And he took those rifle shells and he had Haley Warner put a... Um, four-letter insignia of the, the theme for the weekend. Fight the good fight. It sits on my nightstand. And at least twice a day, I look at that particular visual, and it reminds me, first of all, that there was a weekend in my past where God showed his favor on a group of men in a beautiful, beautiful place in Lakey, Texas. And did more than just teach us about a battle that we engage in every single day of our lives, but prepared us for that battle. And then the second thing that I see when I look at that particular spent rifle shell is this, is that it's on me as the leader of my home to prepare and to engage this enemy that I, I face and they face every single day of their lives and to do so with the help and strength of Almighty God. I love visuals. Maybe before I go, I need to ask you this, because I may just be saying something that's really something I only I enjoy. Anybody here enjoy visuals as much as I do? I mean, they, they, they're significant to you. Okay, wow. I think that's probably representative of not just those of us in this room here, but I think it's also probably representative of the world out there. They love visuals. And I ask you to stop for a moment and see how, how important and influential they are to just the people around you because it is the leadership's thrill to launch a group of visuals into our world that we can't wait for the world to begin to know in a deeper, more meaningful way. We have more than just been expecting our seniors 
to look different in the world. We have trained them, we have challenged them, and we have taught them to look very, very different. We've attempted to purposefully prepare them to be looked at differently by the world and for them to look differently at the world. And we have no choice because here's the mandate of our Savior who said this, you're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept, and so we're going public with this. As public as a city on a hill, if I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives by opening up to others. If you'll do that, you'll prompt people to be open with God, this generous Father in heaven. Because we know visuals matter in the world, we know that it is incredibly important for us to prepare and to launch well the visuals you parents have been working on and praying over most of your life. And we have to because of this mandate. Let me read it again. You're here to be light. Bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this. As public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on the hilltop, on that light stand, shine. Keep open this house of yours. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Those are the words of Christ. What a visual Jesus has been preparing you to be. In a world full of darkness, Jesus expects all of you seniors to stand out like like against it. He expects us to prepare you for that. One of the apostles said it this way, Friends, this world is not your home, so don't make yourselves cozy in it. Don't indulge your ego in it at the expense of your soul. Live an exemplary life among the natives so that your actions will refute their prejudices. Then, they won't, then they'll be won over to God's side and be there to join in the celebration when he arrives. Now that comes out of the message translation. It's 1 Peter chapter 2, 11 verse 12. But the NIV says something that's a little bit different. Live as strangers and aliens in this world. That's how different you're to look, like you're strangers and aliens on the planet, that you be odd for God. That's a principle you've heard quite often, especially if you've been in any of Ricky's hearing as he's teaching and getting other teachers surrounded. Be odd for God. That's your calling. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid of being that. That's who God's making you to be because we're on a mission. And that mission requires us to be extraordinarily odd at times because we're leading ordinary people into what can be an extraordinarily odd relationship with Jesus Christ. And we make no apologies for it. And you'll understand that why later on in the message. Now, that's not been some secret agenda. We've got it posted everywhere. You'll hear us talk about it in leadership. You'll hear us talk about it in our classes. We're here to lead ordinary people into an extraordinary relationship with Jesus. And that is not a mission you're going to find much out there. And if you're actually doing that, it's going to look odd. Now, we know to pull that off, you're going to have to look differently. And so we've been working hard on your look. 
We've made no bones about the kind of look that we've hoped to mature you in or grow you in once you said yes to becoming a follower of Christ. Senior, some of you have not made that commitment yet, and that's okay. We're praying that you do, and when you do, you still will have been trained on what it looks like to have a different look in Christ. Because you see, how you look to the world is determined by how you look at the world. Would you read that with me? How you look to the world is determined by how you look at the world. And so we've been working on your look. In five distinct areas, we've been working on it. Number one, we've trained you to look differently at creation. We've trained you to look differently at creation. And so we've pointed you to the most scientific and the most rational explanation for the creation of our amazing world. And here it is. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That someone not only immeasurably brilliant created this orb we ride on and the people that are in it, but that someone loving has uniquely made plans and dreams for our lives. Now I know in this country and in some places around the globe, there are those who teach that all of this is just one big cosmic accident and is going nowhere. But we've done our best to teach you differently. No apologies for that. This last Friday, if you're a Darwinist, believing in natural selection, you witnessed the fruits of that theory when a young, self-proclaimed atheist killed and maimed innocent people in Santa Fe, Texas. At their high school, seniors lost their lives. They're not at a graduation ceremony like this or one that's going to be at their high school. And in the Darwinist view of life, that's not unjust. It's simply the survival of the fittest being played out on a world stage. And the weaker were removed from this evolutionary process. Now for those of us in Christ, we believe that looks differently. It's the tragedy of the broken, fallen world we live in because we've rebelled against our Creator and walk out of step for His design for this planet and for our lives. We see a young man who doesn't know God man who doesn't know God's gracious, forgiving plan for his life, nor the power to help him live it. This tragedy came home to me in a very powerful way this week because I have two daughters who are in the mission field of called public schools. One of them is an English teacher who was 35 miles from Santa. The other is an art teacher in Lubbock, Texas but it could have been her art class that he walked into and said, surprise, and started shooting people. We want to blame this on guns who sit in a closet or sit in some box somewhere? Why aren't we blaming it on a teaching that pervades our entire society that says, you're just an accident and there's no purpose anyway, just get up and live or kill somebody if you want to. We've trained you to look differently at the world today. No apologies. Number two, we hope you look differently at Scripture. Not as some ancient piece of literature to be placed in the home for looks, but in your heart to be lived. Here's God's promise in writing. He didn't mind putting it there. The whole Bible was given to us by the inspiration from God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. 
it straightens us out and it helps us do what's right it's god's way of making us well prepared at every point fully equipped to do good to everyone that's why he wrote this thing that's why king david said it's a word that his word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path it's because it's a light to illumine our path in your jobs and your marriages your friendships your anything it does offer a very different way to look at life. No apologies. Because we believe it's a way to make a difference with your life. Number three, you've been given the chance to look differently at evil and handle evil differently. There's a lot of injustice in the world. There's a lot of wickedness in the world. How do you explain it all? We think the scripture explains it very clearly. It is not the process of the survival of the fittest. It's the outcome of rebelling against God, and that rebellion has a dark, powerful leader, and his name is Satan. But God's enabled us to see that we're not been, we've not been left defenseless here. And so he says in his word, to take your stand against the devil's schemes, I'm going to give you some truth. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It isn't against political parties or fake news or skin color or prejudice or gender phobia. It's against the rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's where this battle is taking place. And so you've got to put on the full armor of God. You've got to arm yourself so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and having done everything to stand, you will be able to stand one of our own did that just the other day she's asked to remain anonymous but not her victory over evil she's married now she has a husband they're buying their first house and she called me just after having signed the papers for their first home and is on the way back to work she stopped by the house to look at it and when she arrived she heard the messages in her mind saying you just made the biggest mistake of your life you're not ready to own a home. This is all gonna blow up in your face. You just wait and see. Well, this church and others like it have equipped her to see right through Satan's lies. And God underscored that when she said, as I was listening to Caleb, this is the song by Zach Williams that came on. When he told you you're not good enough, when he told you you're not right, when he told you you're not strong enough to put up a good fight. When he told you you're not worthy. When he told you you're not loved. When he told you you're not beautiful. That you'll never be enough. Please know. Fear. He's alive. Now he'll take your breath. He'll stop you with your steps. Fear's a liar. He will rob your rest. He'll steal your happiness. So you cast your fear in the fire. Because fear is a liar. When he told you you were troubled, you'll forever be alone. When he told you you should run away, you'll never find a home. When he told you you were dirty and you should be ashamed. When he told you you could be the one that grace could never change. Please don't. Fear is a liar. He will take your breath. He will stop your steps. But fear is a liar. 
he will rob your rest, he will steal your happiness. so you cast your fear in the fire because fear is not she said dad as soon as i started to see joy Oh, I guess by telling you dad is one of my girls. I was trying to keep that anonymous. Seniors, it's amazing how what you hear and what you think is tied to how you look. It's amazing what you hear and what you think is tied to how you look. And so we've trained you to hear and see and think on things that are above, not the sky. So you can fight differently with weapons not of this world so that you can pray and hold on to God's truth hidden in your hearts that you can enlist the power of the Holy Spirit and you can stand with and next to brothers and sisters of Christ who will never let you go if you'll let them. That's a different way to walk through life because it requires a different look. We've been doing our best to train and prepare you to look differently at the world. Number four, we're taught you how to look differently at Jesus. Not as one among many saviors in the world, but the savior of the world. And we're not backing off of it. He proclaimed, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And either he is a liar and a lunatic, or he's deserving of being called Lord. So before you consider any other saviors, I want to ask you, what's the record with death? Raised anybody from the dead? How'd they do with death? Are they dead? My Savior, my Lord, conquered death. Conquered it. Not only did he raise people from the dead, but he himself was raised from the dead. On record, historically witnessed by hundreds of people, he was crucified just like he predicted. God raised him on the third day just like he predicted. And just before he ascended to be with the Father in heaven in front of hundreds of witnesses, he said, I'll be back to take you home. And I can guarantee you, like money in the bank, he's coming. He's coming. That's why the Hebrew writer says, I hope you fix your eyes on this incredible Savior. Not in a passing glance, but in a consistent fixed glaze. Here's exactly what he says in Hebrews 12. We must never stop looking to Jesus. He's the leader of our faith. He's the one who makes our faith complete. He suffered death on a cross, but he accepted the shame of the cross as if it were nothing because of the joy he could see waiting. And now he's sitting at the right side of God's throne. Think about this, Jesus. He patiently endured the angry insults that sinful people were shouting at him. Think about him so that you won't get discouraged. And stop trying. It is easy to get discouraged in this world. And it is easy to stop trying. It requires a different look. And so I'm asking you. Remember your training. Remember your teaching, seniors. We've, we've implored you, but we're challenging you now. On your own, you fix your gaze. You look. Because without an accurate vision of Christ... I can't be much of an accurate visual for Christ. And we're sending out visuals this week. That's what we're doing. And it's all in how you look. Now I think you know by now that has nothing to do with your hair. It has nothing to do with your biceps. 
has nothing to do with how trim you are has nothing do with the clothes that you're wearing now it has to do with the choice of how you look at yourself how you look at the world and one who made it and it's a different look we were at our camp orientation at our men's retreat and Ron the camp representative came by and he kind of ran us through the do's and don'ts of camp and try to help make our experience there just as full as it could be and he talked about taking care of the camp they offer it free to us and they offer it free to over 20,000 people every single year the HEB foundation Herbert E. Butt the grocery stores that we see all over Texas 20,000 people enjoy a camp experience free and this incredible stuff and so we talked about taking care of it he said you know I, I realized how important that was when I, I saw one day our CEO and president Mr. Charles we call him he was riding in a Polaris with me and for those of you who have, have gone out to Lakey at all, you realize to get to any one of the camps, or most of them anyways, you have to drive in the river. You literally have to take your car and drive in the river. Or as one of our brothers, who's not really smart, took his motorcycle in to the river. Nearly scared him to death before he ever got to camp. But he was riding in that Polaris with his president and CEO of HEB. The guy's worth $10 billion. And he always dresses in a suit, always has the best shoes on and a tie. And Ron said, we were driving, and all of a sudden he says, stop. And he gets out of the Polaris, walks over about 50 yards, and, and up under a little bush was a styrofoam cup. A styrofoam cup. And he walked out into the water, picked up the styrofoam cup, and walked out. And I love what Ron said. He said, Mr. Mr. Charles, you pay people like me to pick up cups like that. Mr. Charles said, yes, when you see them first. But I saw that cup first, and the moment that I did, it became my responsibility. That's a different look. Faithful Christian man. And it's no wonder because his Savior taught him, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. I give my life away for me. And so Mr. Charles looks different because he has a different look. Church, I'm telling you, I love visuals. But it's because my father loves visuals. That's why he chose the most visible hill on the planet in Israel to go public with how much he loves us. He advertised it billboard style from a vantage point that anyone going in or out of the city could see. Between two thieves, he allowed his son to be crucified to pay your sin debt and mine. And in spite of my rebellion against the law and his character, and because of his love for me, he looked at me differently. He saw in me the potential of a son worth loving, not a proud sinner worth destroying. And through that cross now, I see differently. Through that visual of all visuals, I see differently. Now I look at him differently, not as a judge waiting to condemn me, but as a father waiting to embrace me and forgive me and grow me and love me. If you don't know that God, you don't know God. You don't know him yet. Yes, I admire the humility of Mr. Charles getting his own shoes wet to clean up his camp at Lincoln. 
You know what I admire more? I admire my God for getting out of his comfort zone, of all comfort zones, and coming here to the war zone and getting this on him so that I could be with him forever. Now that's a visual. I love the fact that he didn't just trash me. But he came and he picked me up. And when he touched my life, no more styrofoam cup. Ready to be thrown in the trash, no. Crystal, crystal. And he placed me at his table. And he called me family. And he didn't just say, I'm forgiven. He said, oh, no, you're beautiful. And maybe even more than that, you're useful to me. Would you be a visual for me? Would you, would you allow your life to be on display for a while? To see what I could do with him? That they could move from this to this? If they'll just let me know. That's a visual. And we're going to send some. And Ricky's going to introduce them to you right now. Before we do, let's pray. Father, thank you for the privilege what a joy to have been in that high school class this week. And to see the love flowing out of parents and guardians for these kids that we have so invested in, so loved on, so so tried to point them as well as we could to you. To have a different look. How they see you, how they see the world, how they see themselves. And we have not done it well. We've tried our best, but we, we know there's so, so much better to learn and how to do that. Would you take this sack bunch of an effort to try and disciple, to try to grow and mature? Would you just fill it with your spirit so that as we send these visuals out into the world, they truly will see you in them? Thank you so very much for the chance to be able to know them. Every one of them is amazing. We pray, Father, that you continue this amazing journey that they're on. For those who have not said yes to you yet, Father, I pray that you, you draw them ever more passionately and purposefully. So that as they leave their homes, they leave with the living presence of your spirit in them. And your name on them. For those who have said yes, Father, we are... We're asking you to please help us to know how to help them. We're learning how to do that too. We don't want to lose a single one of them, Father, that we send out into the world. And so we're asking, would you please open our eyes and hearts to how to even be better disciples as they as they, they leave this place of safety to a very dangerous place to live. We trust you. Our hearts are full of hope and life. We're asking for you to help us as well. And we ask it in the mighty name of Jesus and everyone in this church. Amen.